Let's bow our heads together. In your own words. And in your own way. Would you let the Lord know tonight that you love him? Could you whisper a request? Dear Lord Jesus, please speak to my heart tonight. Father, we've deliberately gathered together in this special place this evening to draw nearer to you and listen to your Holy Spirit tutor us one more time from your word. It's an awesome thing to be called into your ministry to be co-labors with you. I pray, Lord, that as we pursue our partnership with you in this great cause, that you'd help us to take some steps forward in unprecedented spiritual development. You know who we are and where we're coming from, and you know the issues in our lives that need some prayerful attention. So help, help us to drop our guard and relax our defenses and unplug any rationalizations and discontinue any procrastinations and take the action that would be pleasing before you. As the moment comes for us to leave this evening, by your grace and mercy, enable each of us to be in full compliance with your will for each of us. Thank you for what you're doing these special times. Help us again in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. I heard about some junior high boys on a Saturday afternoon in Southern California. Enjoyed the morning and mid-afternoon on a bright sunny beach. First two fellas had to get on home early, but the third lingered for a while. He spent his last 50 cents on a cherry snow cone. At the concession stand, he chomped on the ice and sucked on the syrup and finally crumpled the paper cone and tossed it in a dented trash can. He found himself meander out on the end of a sunny Southern California pier. And his attention fell on an old ball-headed sunburnt fisherman. The old man would cast and reel. And he'd cast and reel. Every once in a while he'd cut some fresh bait and rebait the hook. And he'd cast and reel. Every once in a while he'd get a bite. He'd set the hook and reel rapidly. Then he had a peculiar habit. He would take the measuring tape out of his creel and he'd measure the fish. And the young observer watched the old man's habit. Those over 10 inches he threw back. And those under 10 inches he kept. Finally curiosity overcame the kid and he said, Hey mister, you fish funny. The old man said, What do you mean boy? He said, I've been watching you. Every time you catch a fish you measure it. And the big ones you throw back, and the smaller ones under 10 inches, those are ones you keep. He said, I think that's funny fishing. Why do you do it? <laughs> the old man replied, it's easy, boy. I only have a 10-inch frying pan. <laughs> and you know what? That's a picture 
what you and I have sometimes done. Because the big fish that God has had in mind for us, for our futures in ministry, would not fit into the small dimensions of our preconceived notions. And so we forfeited opportunities. Tonight we're going to look at a passage of scripture that reminds us that occasionally the Lord calls us to embark on impossible situations that are way over our head. Matthew 14 at verse 22. 14th chapter of Matthew and the 27th verse. 22nd verse. Matthew 14, 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me! Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed in the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Sometimes in our holiness pilgrimage, our relationship with the Lord, in our pursuit of full-time ministry, He calls on us to take some dangerous steps from a human perspective. And what from our viewpoint we would describe as obviously impossible situations. The, those opportunities to conquer such often come disguised in stormy, scary weather. There's some lessons to learn from the passage. At verse 22, Jesus made the disciples get in the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. He dismissed the crowd. This is at the conclusion of the feeding of the multitude recorded in Matthew 14. At 25 it says, during the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. 
When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. There's a lesson I learned from that passage right there. You can't always believe the majority opinion. <laughs> Jesus said, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Peter was in the boat that night, a little bit conflicted. He heard the majority opinion, all those other guys in the boat, and then he heard the Lord, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. If he was going to believe all those other guys in the boat, he would have concluded with them, whoa, it's a ghost. But Jesus said, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Now who's Peter going to believe? He's not always the ideal example. But here, he provides an excellent example. Make sure that it's Jesus who's out there before you jump. You know, sometimes I've jumped and got myself in deep water before I checked. Good lesson for us to follow. Make sure that it's Jesus. But there's another lesson Peter provides for us. Have a tell me spirit. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. I gotta ask y'all something. Do you have a tell me spirit? No hint there that Peter was thinking or feeling, Lord, if it's you, tell me and I'll appoint a subcommittee to do a study. <laughs> Or we'll order a couple dozen paperback books from the publishing house and we'll have a class. You know it's a lot easier to talk about walking on the water than it is to walk on the water? A couple lessons to squeeze from the passage so far. Make sure that it's Jesus who's out there. Check before you jump. And have a tell me spirit. What if the Lord convinced you by the Holy Spirit that God's will for you was to do something irregular, unpredictable, dangerous, unsafe, unprecedented. Like coming to Nazarene Bible College and pursuing a call on your heart for full-time Christian service. You might be tempted to listen to others in the boat. Peter provides an excellent example. Make sure that it's Jesus who's out there. And then have a tell me spirit. And that would include an attitude and a follow-up behavior. Lord, whatever you have in mind for me, I'm going to jump and go for it for all I'm worth. Trusting you completely. Come, he said. With one word, Jesus said a whole paragraph. Come. Lord, if it's you, who's you? Jesus Christ, God's Son, helped create this world. He created the water that he was walking on. Come on in, Peter. The water's fine. And there's nothing going down out here that I can't handle. Make sure that it's Jesus who's out there. And then have a tell me spirit. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you. 
Have you arrived and are you currently positioned in your relationship with God where you have an undebatable tell me spirit? Whatever he says to you for his plan and purpose, his divine strategy and will for your life, you're going to go for it without procrastination or delay, without debate. You're just going to be obedient. Tell me. Come, he said. Well, sooner or later you've got to take action. Bible says, then Peter followed the sequence. Got down out of the boat. Matthew was in the boat too, an eyewitness to the account. He wrote it the way he saw it. In my imagination, I see Peter hanging onto the edge. Wouldn't you hang on to the edge? I would. As long as my arm and fingertips would allow. <laughs> then Peter got down out of the boat. Sooner or later, you gotta let go. <laughs> and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. Stormy, windy night. It wasn't smooth water. He was a doing a little dance out there. Seeing the wind and waves, becoming afraid, beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me! Here's another lesson to learn. Don't allow yourself to be distracted by unanticipated obstacles. Seeing the wind and the waves, becoming afraid, he began to sink. Well, I've got to tell you something. I've heard a lot of teachers and preachers beat up on Peter for taking his eyes off Jesus and sinking. I'm going to tell you something. He was 99% successful. Why do I say that? Seeing the wind and waves becoming afraid, beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me! The next word in the passage is my favorite word in the whole story. What is it? Immediately. <coughs> Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. That tells me he was 99% successful. Why do I say that? He, he made it within arm's reach. Get the picture. Here's the boat. Here comes Jesus walking on the water. They say it's a ghost. Peter's not sure. Jesus, take courage and desire, don't be afraid. And the context and the vocabulary carries the impression and intent they had to raise their voice to communicate. They weren't whispering to each other side by side. They called out. So that tells you there's got to be some degree of distance between where the boat was and where Jesus was. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. Every step he took put a greater distance between where the boat was and where Jesus was. So there was a distance. Peter wasn't a big failure. He was 99% successful. He made it within arm's reach. Seeing the wind and waves, becoming afraid, beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me! And the next word is immediately. Want some good news tonight? It's okay to be human. And sometimes in our humanness, we allow ourselves to be distracted by unanticipated obstacles, become afraid, and start to seek. The neat thing is, Jesus is right there within arm's reach. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. He didn't stand there and say, Sink, you fool. <laughs> 
Immediately, he reached out his hand and caught him. A little sidebar, kind of interesting and curious to me. An earlier acquaintance, Jesus and Peter had a conversation. Peter's formal name was Simon. He says, from now on, you're going to be Cephas, which means Peter. Translated, what? Rock. Kind of think it's a little curious that he sunk like a rock. <laughs> Want some lessons from the passage? Make sure that it's Jesus who's out there. Have a tell me spirit. Whatever he says, I'm going to go for it for all I'm worth. Don't allow yourself to be distracted by unanticipated obstacles. And if you get in trouble, yell for help. And you got a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Who what? Immediately reaches out his hand to catch him. Neat thing happened. They got to walk side by side and have a timely lesson on faith on the way back to the boat. Don't you think they walked back to the boat? Do you think they dog paddle out there and said, hey, throw us a rope, come pick us up, we can't make it? Does that sound like Jesus? <laughs> Jesus fished him out. Immediately, he reached out his hand and caught him. He didn't beat up on him. He didn't criticize him. He just took a timely opportunity for a lesson on faith. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And then the Bible says, when they climbed in the boat, wind died down. Could you stand some good news tonight? Your storm is temporary. When they climbed in the boat, the wind died down. Wouldn't surprise me a bit, but what there might be someone here this evening who's been in some stormy weather and answering what you understand is God's call in your life. You may have been like Peter or like Norman and allowed yourself to be distracted by unanticipated obstacles and you got a little bit wet. He's not there to criticize you or put you down. He's there to pick you up, teach you a little more on faith and help you make a positive, victorious landing where you're supposed to be. When they climbed in the boat, the wind died down. Your storm won't last forever. Then they had a worship service. Matthew concludes the passage. Then all those who were in the boat worshipped him. Him refers to Jesus, not Peter. <laughs> Saying, truly you are the Son of God. For one of those boys in the boat that night, that worship service was unusually heightened and personally meaningful and significant. Because sitting there, hair matted, beard dripping, garments clinging, goosebumps risen, teeth chattering, thoroughly chilled in that pre-dawn windy moment for one of those guys named Peter the worship service was unusually meaningful because he's the one who had the courage to ignore the voices of the majority and get a clear signal from the Lord himself and take action in obviously humanly impossible environments the whole deal reminds me of a ministerial acquaintance I have in Orange County Southern California they bought a brand new house, the pastor and his wife. 
and part of the contract with the developer was that the new owner was responsible for the landscaping and the sprinkler system didn't come with a deal well the pastor and his wife were a little bit uh, perplexed about a, a narrow area about two or three feet wide that ran the entire width of the lot between the sidewalk and the curb it seemed uh, unnecessary to tunnel under the sidewalk to put sprinkler heads out there in that little small area so she got the bright idea why don't you pave that in decorative used brick it'll match the veneer on the front of the house he said that sounds like a good low maintenance idea and he took the measurements and he went to the lumber yard and hardware and explained the project and they said well you got to dig out six or eight inches of undisturbed earth you have to put down a plastic sheet they call it visqueen so the weeds won't grow up through your bricks then you put down a foundational bed of sand then you put your brick in place he said okay deliver that stuff to my driveway and I'll get on it well first thing on Monday morning he set down his coffee cup in his Orange County Register newspaper he said told his wife today I'm gonna to get that job done out front and he got his wheelbarrow and a shovel and he went out front and he started digging and after about 10 or 20 minutes of that his palms were barking in pain and he leaned on a shovel handle they were just used to shaking out the sheep at the back door of the church and not used to such significant friction most of the time about that time his neighbor backed his Buick out of the garage the neighbor rolled down the window and said hey Reverend what you doing and he said oh I'm gonna dig out this dirt and put the brick in here it'll match the front of the house that way I won't have to plant it or water it or mow it or fool with it and the neighbor said what are you gonna do with all that dirt oh man he hadn't planned on that <laughs> and he discovered a law of physics when you move undisturbed earth from there to there it grows but not wanting to seem unprepared he ad-libbed quickly he said oh I'm gonna have a mound and the neighbor said what Pikes Peak <laughs> and the preacher said I'll take care of it y'all have a good day and the neighbor drove away in his Buick mumbling you'll never get that job done preacher well that was enough provocation to stimulate his determination and he re-gripped his shovel handle and went back at it another 20 minutes and he had blisters and one more time he leaned on the shovel handle it seemed like a bird landed on his shoulder and chirped a dirge of discouragement in his ear with a lyric oh you dummy you done bit off more than you can chew you ever heard that bird about that time a big old white Ford two-ton flatbed truck drove down the street and parked right in front of his house and it was carrying a big old bright canary yellow case backhoe and skip loader and on the door of that truck was painted the name of his center aisle head usher land excavation and the driver got out of the cab and said Reverend what are you doing here he says oh we just moved in last week bought a new house and the, they said oh the board give you a raise 
what you doing, preacher? He said, oh, I've got to dig this dirt out here and put these bricks here. It'll match the front of the house, my wife's idea. <laughs> the driver said, Pastor, what are you going to do with all this dirt? He said, well, I was still thinking about that, too. He said, Pastor, I don't want to presume on our relationship. But I'm being penalized by being late on a job. And all I need to finish up is some clean fill dirt. Pastor said, well, I don't know. <laughs> Quite dramatically, he picked up a handful and let it filter through his open fingers. And said, this used to be an orange grove. It's pretty rich topsoil. But since it's you, I'll give it to you free for just taking it away. He said, I'll get right on it. And he placed the steel ramps at the back of his truck, climbed up to the black vinyl seat of that yellow tractor, clouded the Orange County sky with a big belch of diesel exhaust, and chugged that tractor down to ramps, and put that bl blade right in there in the place and took a big old mouthful and dumped it on a truck and repeated it two or three or four times and had the whole deal dug out in a few minutes. Went off, dumped the load of dirt, came back, reloaded his tractor and shook the pastor's hand and said, Pastor, I'll never forget this. And the pastor said, neither will I. <laughs> Always glad to help my people. The driver drove away and at 10 after 12, the pastor was sweeping with the push broom the remaining morsels of dirt from his front porch or from his front sidewalk. When guess who came home for lunch next door in the Buick? <laughs> Today, the neighbor is a believer. <laughs> and I had to tell you that. Because if you're anything like Peter or Norman, sometimes you get in situations where it's pretty obvious that you're in over your head and you've bit off more than you can chew. But you went at the project sincerely, thinking that you were doing what God wanted you to do. And about time that old black bird lands on your shoulder and chirps his funeral dirge that you're about to go under. You know what? God's got a big old white flatbed Ford two-ton truck coming down with a yellow tractor and an operator to pull you out in top shape. And I don't know what you and the Lord need to talk about this evening, but I have learned personally, straight out of that passage, it's mighty important to make sure that it's Jesus who's out there. And have a tell-me spirit. Realize that you can't always buy the majority opinion. You've got to take your signals from the Lord. And eventually, you've got to take action. You quit talking about it and start walking. There's another lesson learned. Don't be distracted by unanticipated obstacles. And if you get in trouble, what? Yell for help. And guess what? Immediately. Jesus reach out his hand to catch you. Maybe you need to talk to the Lord tonight. Maybe this service conclusion would be a timely opportunity for Jesus to reach out his hand and catch you. You've been thinking you're about to go under? 
You've been in some stormy weather? You've been wondering if you bit off more than you can chew? You're not the first to experience such emotions. Just wanted you to know there's a friend who's standing close by to immediately reach out his hand and catch you. We're going to share an invitation course. And there may be some who'd like to spend some time in prayer at the altar. I think you know by now it's not my intent or purpose to hassle anyone. Twist no arms. Exert no unethical pressure. But from my own experience, I think there's a lot of benefit in talking things over with the Lord while the Holy Spirit's dealing with your heart. Please stand. Would you bow your heads? Would tonight be a good night for you to toss out your 10-inch frying pan that has limited the big dreams God has had in mind for you and your future? A few minutes ago, we whispered a prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, please speak to my heart tonight. If you prayed that prayer, I'm convinced he heard it, and I'm also convinced he's answered it. Not in harsh, critical accusation or criticism. He's here to help you in your relationship with him. And in the pursuit of your sense of call, if you like to pray, you're welcome to step forward and come and kneel while we share a chorus.